1: And welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future podcast presented by Apollo Media. All Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future. You can find my work at astrosfuture.com and find me on Twitter at Astros Future. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Kenny Van Doren, and we're going to wrap up the 2021 season as we grade the free agent signings and the trades made at the deadline and then discuss some prospects and the Rule 5 draft and more. So, Kenny, tell the people where they can find you at.
0: Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Vandalorian. Uh, it's like the Mandalorian from Star Wars, but with a V. Uh, or you can just search my name, Kenny Van Doren, V-A-N-D-O-R-E-N.
1: All right, so we'll get right to the season. This is the first podcast that I've recorded since the, the Astros ended up losing the World Series. I have to go back and look at the the podcast I recorded right before the season, and I set the expectations like if they didn't make it to the ALCS, it was a failure. And then obviously they made it to the World Series, lost in six games. And I think if you tell somebody that, Prior to the season, hey, the Astros are going to make it to the World Series again. You know that's probably a win. You know you would probably take that, right? Two remaining teams, uh, but when it happens, it kind of hits you in the face, and you are like, man, you know the Astros are close to winning another World Series, and ultimately they fell short again. But Kenny, what's your thoughts on the season?
0: Yeah, I think I think it's a win in terms of <clears throat> just going to the World Series. You know, I think this team from the beginning of the season, no one believed in the Astros. You know, they still like everything from the cheating scandal is still. You know, circling the name of the Astros, you know, there's four guys left from 2017 and they think this team isn't good enough to, you know, even win the West and they, you know, they blew out the American League West and Mm -hmm. they got to the World Series, fell two games short, you know, they lost to the better team, you know, in the end, you know, momentum exists in baseball and the Braves had all the momentum on their side. They were just hot at the right time and it's, you know, that's what happens.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what it, it's what it takes. It takes getting hot. You know, we saw that in the, the ALDS obviously the Astros played really well against the White Sox ran through that quick gets to the ALCS and they end up finding themselves down two games to one uh, in Boston. And you saw what happened. Jordan Alvarez got hot. And basically, I mean, there was other con- uh, contributions, but basically carried us through those final three games carried us to the world series. Unfortunately in the world series, we didn't have anybody get hot. There wasn't somebody who went on a tear like Springer did in 2017 and, it's kind of it's kind of one of the things that you need to to win a World Series. Obviously, the bullpen was pretty solid. The starting for pitching was 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 wasn't great, but it was. I mean, it's tough. You know, that's Garcia clearly way more innings than he's ever pitched in his career is what he what he did in, in 2021, and still had some solid starts down the stretch as well. Um, so a lot of post season experience for the young arms. But ultimately, yeah, we didn't have that guy get hot that could kind of carry the carry the team, carry the offense through those final few games like we saw in uh, 17.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, you, when you look at this team, the rotation is so depleted. You know, there's no Zach Gran- or there's no starting Zach Ranky anymore. Verlander's mm-hmm. not there. You lost Lance McCullers after the ALDS. These young guys really stepped up. I think it showed a lot of maturity from a guy like Luis Garcia, somebody who was eyed by Baseball America to be a closer one day. And this guy's starting World Series games back-to-back years. You know, he stepped up in 2020 and took a start in the uh, ALCS um, CS. And then he starts two games in the World Series the next year. You know, he's a guy that's on a pitch count every single game, like less than 80. And he's, you know, he still went out there and you know he performed well. He, you know, he shakes off bad starts. It's one of like the best things about Luis Garcia. You see him in the press conference and he's just like, you know, I'm going to go out there and do my best the next game.
1: Yeah, and I think it's one of those things that you, it's probably hard to, re, you know, uh, remember, and I would probably forget it myself. You, The postseason, the season feels so long, you, you almost forget Luis Garcia is a rookie and a guy that, I mean, potentially could win rookie of the year, had a phenomenal season. And, uh, you know, he's starting games in the World Series and you just you have these high expectations after what he's done. But then you almost have to remind yourself, like, oh, yeah, he's 24 years old. He's a rookie. But, yeah, you're right. I think it's it's valuable experience for them moving into to next season um, and, and moving forward. And the but the rotation being depleted like that, not having Verlander obviously, all season Greinke basically turning into a an opener the, the time we used him in Atlanta um, or a reliever. And then, yeah, losing McCullers, losing our ace all season, you were you had a depleted rotation the Astros. Made the most of it. Unfortunately, the bats just didn't get hot. You know, they lost, or in games uh, three, four, and six, those three games combined, they scored two runs. I don't care how good your pitching is, that's probably not going to get it done. And, you know, the pitching could have been a little bit better, but ultimately the bats kind of fell off. And at at the end of the day, three World Series appearances in five years, five straight ALCS appearances. I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely impressive, Unfortunately, they couldn't win it. Um, but things like I've been saying on Twitter, I, I don't think that the, the window is closing by any means. I think they'll be right back here next year.
0: Yeah, I don't even – I think this is a totally new window when you kind of think about it. If Correa doesn't come back, there's still barely like anyone from that core, from that 2017 team that won right. it all, It's still on this team. It's just that farm system has a lot of hidden gems in it. You know, yep. I will, we knew Kyle Tucker was going to be good one day, but, you know, they got Jordan Alvarez for, you know, five bucks. Like they, you know – when Jeff Luno was there, Jeff Luno built this team, you know, to succeed for a while. And I think James Click will do a great job of keeping that going.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think part of that is going to be the free agent signings. And we got to see what Click could do this past offseason with the free agent signings. So we'll go ahead and kind of talk about those. Obviously, the big name that we were able to bring back was Michael Brantley. We thought for a little while there that he was going to be with the Blue Jays. It ended up being a, a consistent hitter in our lineup. Uh, hit 311 this season, 29 Devils. His power kind of went away. I don't know if that has something to do with uh, – maybe the amount of bats that he got by the end of the year or what, but ultimately uh, that's a, that was a phenomenal signing. Obviously guys is really good in left field and was a perfect guy to hit number two, right behind out He had a really good season. and Even in the playoffs, he hit pretty well. He didn't have much power, but he was still getting on base hit for average at least. So uh, definitely a good signing right there.
0: Yeah. I got that you, you know, you did if you lost him last, you know, in the off season last year, I don't think they would be in the position they are now. Mm-hmm. Definitely a guy wasn't in that lineup. I don't think they would, I think they'd be a wild card team. I think you know Michael Brantley, a guy who only hit um, eight home runs this season. Like like you said, the power's not there. There really wasn't really any power that much in his career when he was with Cleveland as well. But you know Uncle Mike's still there. You know he he hit to a 799 OPS, which you know is one of the lower ones in his career. But he's still an All Star this year. Um, you know bringing him back even after those you know his injuries in 2020 and where he had to DH a lot. When he DH, you know that brought in Kyle Tucker. That made Kyle Tucker who he is. And, you know, kind of got him those reps in that 2020, you know, 60-game 60, 60 sample.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, it, really good to have him back. Obviously, we'll have him back for another year. Another signing that turned out to be a pretty good one, Ryan Stanick. We we saw what he was able to do. He started out the season on fire, had like a little little bit of a rough stretch, but really finished the season strong and he was really good in the playoffs. Second half of the season, he had just a 2.70 ERA and, a lot, you know, he, he kept the hits down. I think he, they hit like 183 off of him in the second half of the season. Then, like I said, we saw what he did in the postseason. So to get him... And for him to be under control, too, you know, he's, he's arbitration eligible. He's not a free agent until 2024, a guy that hopefully we can count on to kind of be that seventh, eighth inning guy for the next couple of years. Uh, another good signing this offseason by Click.
0: Yeah, I think you know, Click went after a guy that used to be a Ray. You know, was, he was with the Rays for like three years. And, you know, I think Stanek is probably his best signing yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think, like, you signed Stanek for $1.1 million, something in that range, and, you know, now he's under team control and he had the most – innings or most appearances for an Astro in postseason history, you a 3.42 ERA. You know, I think the one thing that kind of stood out to me though, is that his opening role he used to be an opener when he was with the Rays and the Marlins. And that's just not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, they used him in low leverage to start the season, which made, you know, all the sense in the world. They're, tr- tr- you know, they're going in on a guy that, you know, hasn't had m- much success in his career. And, you know, they found that seven, eight inning role, maybe some, even, you know, Took some saves at um, you know, get back into the season and he, you know, did phenomenal. I think I think that's the best signing yet for James Click.
1: Yeah, definitely. And then like I said, it's gonna be nice to have him around for a little while longer too. Um, next guy I have on my list, well, especially for ranking him, Jason Castro. Sign him as the backup catcher. And he did exactly what you would expect. Actually, probably better than that. Had a 799 OPS, which is the same as Michael Brantley. Eight home runs. Uh, We saw him. I mean, he was incredible in high leverage situations, late and close situations. Uh, Hit well in the playoffs. I don't know. I know the pitching staff really prefers Maldonado. And unfortunately, this season, he wasn't very good with the bat Maldonado. Uh, Struggled a little bit in the playoffs as well. But we got to see what Castro could do. I think he's going to be back next year as well really was just a solid backup catcher, a guy you could use, pinch hit, late game situations. And overall, I mean, I think you you can't put a lot into a backup catcher signing, but I think he did exactly what you would expect a a guy like Castro to do, and and, and probably then some with the the amount that he gave you with his
0: bat. Yeah, I don't know about you. When when he was first signed, I thought it would be like more of a platoon between him and Maldonado. Mm -hmm. I think it kind of of fell short in when there was a right-handed pitcher uh, you know, starting against the Astros, you'd expect Castro to start, right. but, you know, in that same way, Zach Greinke might've been starting that day. So it's not, it, you know, the platoon didn't really fall the way that everyone expected it. You know, the 799 OPS, 118 OPS plus, and only 66 games. You know, you'd want to see more starts from Castro. I think he really showed out in the postseason as well before he, uh, you know, was removed for COVID protocol, but removed from the roster with mm-hmm. uh, due to COVID protocol. But, you know, the, this guy, this With Houston, you know, legend coming up, everyone was so like hyped about it and it just, Mm -hmm. you know, it didn't really, you know, fall his way. And he came back and that hit he had in Boston uh, late in the ALCS was just, you know, that was the biggest hit of his career. And, you know, just for him to come back to Houston to do that, you know, pretty much, you know, solidify their chances of, you know, going up in the series. That was just amazing.
1: Yeah, for sure. Definitely good signing. So now we'll get to the two that are probably going to be a little more interesting. Well, one for sure was was not good. Pedro Baez, he ended up going up and down, struggling with the injuries, and we only got to see a little bit of him. His, his velocity wasn't there, so we won't really talk about him much. The next guy is a guy we're, we're definitely going to talk about, De Rizzi. I had high expectations for him when the Astros signed him. I thought, you know, come getting with Brent Strom and what he was able to do two years ago. And I think it was in Minnesota. I thought he was going to come in and kind of solidify that maybe number three, number four spot. He ended up finishing the season with a a 4.21 ERA, which isn't great, but over his, over his last um, 18 games, the last 17 starts, he had a 3.56 ERA. Now the issue was obviously was going deep into the game. He struggled when he went to that third time through the order, the fifth, sixth inning, but from June fifteenth, about middle of the season, onto the end of the year, he had a three point five six ERA, and that's not that's not bad at all, especially a guy that might be your fourth or fifth starter. I think it was just it was struggle, it was frustrating to watch it because he he struggled going late into games, and then obviously we saw the the issue where he kind of took offense to being pulled early like that. But when you kind of look at the numbers overall, if he was your number four or five starter and you put up those numbers for the second half of the season, you would probably take that.
0: Yeah, I would. Um, I feel like it was a little shocking that he didn't make the ALDS uh, roster and if you look more into it you know mm-hmm. he's not as good against right handers and the White Sox were a very dominant right-handed lineup and he wasn't very good against the White Sox when he was in the AL Central you know two years ago and he was coming off injury in 2020. Um, James Click you know worked with him when he was in Tampa Bay as well so th- there was that tie there. Um, it didn't <clears throat> you know it didn't really we didn't see the Jake Reasy that he was signed to be he was signed to eat and eat innings and he wasn't eating innings. And, you know, the the right-hander, you'd hope he'd bounce back next year. You know, there is a lot of money invested in Jake Mm Odorizzi. And, you know, the more that they kind of, you know, mess with the 40-man roster, explore the free agency pitching, I still think he would be a four or five starter on this team. But I think, you know, from what we saw in September, it's easy to to say that he might, you know, pick up on that, you know, next season.
1: Yeah, definitely. So that's going to be an interesting one to see what they do with him because I know some people said, oh, go ahead and trade him because, you know, you got – you have McCollers and Garcia and Urkitty and Valdez and, and some other guys that you could potentially count on or potentially sign a, a bigger name free agent pitcher, depending on what happens with Correa. But uh, we'll go and jump to the trades. There was the three big trades that were made at the deadline. The Astros acquired uh, Phil Maton, Kendall Graveman, and Yumi Garcia. So Maton, regular season numbers, finished the season with us at a 4.97 ERA, struck out 24, 25 innings. Numbers didn't look great, but the guy was phenomenal in the playoffs. And and I think he really kind of started to, to find that groove and kind of probably showed you why James Click targeted him as a reliever and gave up a, a pretty decent asset in Miles Straw to get him. What he was able to do in the playoffs really gets me excited for what he's going to be able to do next year, you know, hopefully taking that that seventh inning role.
0: Yeah, there was a there's a few things that, you know, the Astros did once they Got Maton, Graven, and Garcia. They changed their pitching styles and the way that what pitches they were throwing. And you know, you could look at their splits from when they came over from the you know their respective teams, mm-hmm. and their ERAs like were pummeled. Like the, you know these guys' numbers did not look great. And you know, going into the postseason, you know, Yimi Garcia, you know, wasn't the best in the ALDS, but the three of them mm-hmm. did you know great. I think mm-hmm. the bullpen really bounced back. The bullpen was the Achilles' heel, you know, at the beginning of the season. And, you know, until the trade deadline and once they got into the postseason, it was like the best, you know, it's the best bullpen they've had in a long time. You know, Maton's nickname is spin rate. And that's Mm -hmm. like one of his big things is those peripherals. You know, if you look at his advanced metrics, the guy is phenomenal. You know, you can look past his ERA sometimes, you know, Phil Maton has the stuff. And, you know, Brett Strom's on, you know, he's on his way out. You know, there's the two other pitching coaches that were under him. You know, they can keep Maton going. You know, know, in the World Series, if the Astros, you know, had won it, they probably needed – some offensive, you know, firepower in those last mm-hmm. two games to really push them over. But I think Mayton was probably the World Series MVP for the Astros.
1: Yeah, he had a, a really good chance. Phenomenal postseason for him. Really good to see that. Um, and then Graveman also had a really good postseason. We saw him struggle a little bit with the Astros. It seemed like more of a command thing. Kind of walked more guys than he was doing uh, in Seattle. But he he was really good in the playoffs. And like you mentioned, the bullpen was something we were concerned about. You know, going into the playoffs, really that 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 was you know, the, the one issue that you're like, okay, well, the starters can be solid. You know, we, we might be all right. And then the bullpen ended up being phenomenal. And it was really the starters that struggled. Um, but the Astros are going to have an interesting uh, decision with Graveman and Garcia. Cause they, we were able to see a little bit what they could do. Obviously Garcia's numbers weren't as good, but you know, he was able, you were able to see the stuff that he has and same thing with Graveman. And now they're both free agents. So Maton's still going to be around a while. Don't forget that. We also did pick up Yiner Diaz, who, who we'll talk about in the, the minor league segment uh, in the next segment. But, I'm interested to see if the Astros decide to try to keep somebody like Graveman around. Personally, I think he would be a great guy to keep around and, and bring back as a as maybe that seventh, eighth inning guy to, to be right there with Stanek. And then Garcia, depending on what he would want, the Astros obviously saw something in him that they liked, and we got to see him uh, have some success as well, uh, though limited. So it would be interesting to see. But what's your take on that? What do you think the Astros should do with those two relievers? <clears throat>
0: uh you know graveman's you know gonna be like one of the most uh, for when you look at relievers relievers can bounce around everywhere um Mm -hmm. you look at mark melanson a guy who's had a very long career he's been with like you know 10 teams but you know look at graveman he's gonna be you know sought out by a lot of teams and there's no reason to extend a qualifying offer you know you're not gonna get anything if you um extend him one and he declines it but he's i don't even think he's worth worth the 18.4 million. And, you know, if the Astros are really looking to keep him around, you know, it's going to cost a little bit. Um, I think he's going to get paid. You, you know, we look at last season, it was Alex Colomay. There was Blake Trinan. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, these guys out there that were looking, you know, like, Oh, we can get them for like 4 million. And then they were signing for 10, you know, Brad hand got 10 right. million and it was just really bad. So it'll be interesting what they do. Um, I feel like they, they will definitely offer Grayman something um it just depends on what team's going to give him the most because you know you look at it Graveman never really wanted to leave Seattle you know Mm -hmm. he was really confused why he was traded in the first place so you know I'm not even sure that Seattle will try to bring him back I don't even know if there's bad blood or anything you know Graveman's a very humble guy we learned that after he was traded but um for Yimi Garcia um that's another guy I'm I'm not totally sure how much money he's going to make um you know he made 1.2 million last year 4 million something you know under 4 million last Mm -hmm. year and you know, he had the same year the year or the same year the year before, before he was, you know, when he was with Miami. So it'll be interesting to see how much he makes. I feel like he'll explore the market, see where other people's um, salaries are looking, and then, you know, evaluate his own.
1: And, uh, you know, and he's a guy who was a, a closer. And same thing with Graveman, and those guys could, you know, maybe they want to go be a closer again and go sign with another team. But the Astros have some options there. They have some guys they can bring back, but they also have some prospects that, potentially are going to need a spot on the 40-man roster, and that's something we're going to talk about in the next segment. So that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, we're going to talk about some minor league baseball, the Rule 5 draft, and some prospects, and give some updates on how they're doing in the winning leagues, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Feature Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review. We'll leave some stars. So we left off. We said we're going to talk about some minor league baseball, talk about some Rule 5 Draft. First, we're going to get into minor league baseball. Uh, Right now, we obviously have guys playing in the winter league. One of the main guys that we're paying attention to right now, Jeremy Pinos playing over in the Dominican Republic. We, he probably would have got an earlier start, but obviously he was the, in the taxi squad, got to spend the entire playoffs with the Astros. Played in his first game on a Saturday night, ended up going, I think it was four for five, had a home run to pretty much almost dead center, left center. um, and, And just showing off that power, man, he's a guy that I'm, I'm obviously very excited about I, I, I would love to keep Correa but if, if for some reason Correa moves on I, I have confidence that Jeremy Pino can be a guy who can step in and and give you very good defensive numbers um, but also be a, an impact bat and we got to see what he could do this year showing off the kind of the newfound power that he had
0: yeah definitely a guy that you know came off wrist injury you know he had broke his wrist and early in the year he only got 30 games in uh, AAA this season and he um, that's pretty much why he's playing in the Dominican, you know, Winter League. He needs more at bats, and he played thirty games last year in uh, the Dominican Winter League as well. He hit three hundred six, three forty nine, four thirty, um, and comparing that to his Triple A numbers, he had two eighty seven, three forty six, five ninety eight slug. Um, you know, this guy found some power mm-hmm. um, in between the Dominican Winter League and you know his injury, and then back into Triple A. He had sixteen extra base hits. He only had seven when he was in the Dominican Winter League last year. Um, you know, like you said, he went four for five. He had a home run. There's some some stroke of power he found in the last year.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's going to be big, obviously, to to replicate that uh, that offensive production. Uh, we know he's a phenomenal defender. That's one of the reasons he got drafted so high. But we've seen that progression with the bat and, and showing off those power numbers. I think some people maybe coming into the year thought he was maybe a 15 home run guy, but I think it's you could easily project him for 20, 25 home runs, if not more, the way he's the way he's showing off with the bat, but. He's not the only guy that's had a good a good showing so far in, in the winter. Uh, Corey Lee playing over in the Arizona Fall League um, right now. I think he's hitting like two sixty eight. It's it's he's he's only played eleven games and he was hitting like three forty four like two games ago. Had a couple bad games, but Jim Callis put out something recently. Talk about him showing off with the bat and the glove over in the Arizona Fall League and being one of the top catching prospects in baseball. Just twenty two years old, a guy who put up a really good season for uh, this year. It was was on fire in Double A when he first got there. Struggled a little bit the the towards the end there and then end up getting some time with AAA in the, the final 10 game stretch but another guy that i think astros fans could be very excited about for the future we have maldonado we have castro but i think Corey lee is going to get an opportunity at some point in 2022 to kind of show what he can do and maybe maybe take over that backup role and then potentially be the starter you know maybe come 2023
0: yeah you know by 2023 maldonado and castro are off the books it'll really be interesting how that whole, you know, catching room shakes out mm-hmm. by 2023. You have the Pierski, Minaya, Diaz coming up. Um, I don't think CJ Stubbs is really a factor at the moment, but, you know, it would be interesting. I actually want to know your take on that. How What do you think the catching room would look like by then?
1: Yeah, and then that's that's man. So I'm doing my position for review, which will which we'll post tomorrow. The same time we post this podcast, and the catching position is the first one I'm doing. And the depth that the Astros have created there with with uh, Corey Lee, with the trade to get Luke Berryhill this past off season, obviously had a phenomenal year. Uh, the trade getting Yiner Diaz. You got a guy like Michael Papirski, who is uh, the pitchers have raved about him being a great defensive catcher. We see how much the Astros obviously value the defense in Maldonado. You got Scott Manaya down in double A, a couple guys we're going to talk about, but the depth is phenomenal. And so it's hard to say where the Astros are going to be in two years. Obviously, Corey Lee's the top guy. Uh, but Barry Hill was solid uh, defensively as well. And, and he put up some really good uh, offensive numbers. So it's going to be a big year for him in, in 2022 to see what he can do at double A AA and triple A. And then we'll see with Diaz too. But I think for sure Lee's the guy that, you know, could, put, could be the starter by 2023. But I think the Astros have enough options in house to have a starter and a backup and not have to go out on the free agent market. Now it depends on if they want to bring a veteran in like they have for the last, however many years, we've always had that veteran catcher, but if, if, the guys like Lee and Diaz and Bear Hill can kind of learn from Maldonado. I think the Astros are going to be set at the catcher position. And that'll be the first time since you mentioned that Jason Castro was our, our top prospect coming up, you know, way back in 2009 or 2010, whatever it was, he'll be the, you know, that'll be the first top prospect young catcher we've had on the roster in, in quite a while.
0: Yeah. You know, you look at Lee's arm, you know, he was gunning people out in the mm-hmm. Arizona fall league. And just all around, he's you know he's showing, he's flashing the defense, flashing the offense. You him know, in 2019 when Luno drafted him, you know, there were so many people like speculating, why are you taking Lee this early? Why is yep. he going in the first round? And now he's really showing out, like you said, you know earlier in the year, Callis didn't really, wasn't really all about Corey Lee, and now he is. Right. So there's something there with Corey Lee. You know, he was a guy that was on, you know, had a minor leg injury in Double A this year before he was promoted to Triple A, and you know this time in the Arizona Fall League is really paying off for him.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's going to be I'm going to it's going to be fun to watch him next year. Watch him in spring training, learning from Maldonado. When I talked to him uh earlier in the season, it was actually about a month and a half ago. I went down to, to Sugarland and spoke with him and he mentioned just trying to learn how to manage a pitching staff like Maldonado. He did that in, you know, in spring training and stuff and he he took away a lot from that and that's how he wants to do it. So, it's going to be big for him this spring training and see what he can do in Triple A. But speaking of Triple A, we'll we'll kind of move to the pitching side. A couple of guys that I know you are very high on, I'm very high on, and the Astros are going to have an interesting decision when it comes to the Rule Rule 5 draft, so we'll kind of get into that real quick. One of the names that they're going to have to make a decision on is Jonathan Bermudez, and a guy that had a phenomenal season. He was the pitcher of the year in the Astros minor league system, left-hander, with the Astros needing potentially left-handed help. you know They got Brooks Raley, who I believe is going to be around for a little while longer. He's arbitration eligible, got Blake Taylor, got Ken Emanuel probably coming back from injury, but the numbers that Bermudez put up – if the Astros don't put him on the on the 40-man and don't protect him, someone's probably going to snag him. He's a guy who could easily hang on, on the back end of a roster as a lefty. So hopefully they'll add him. But, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to see what he can do next year for the Astros.
0: Yeah, you look at the left-handed options currently there. Blake Taylor, you know, he's phenomenal in 2020. He a sub-3 ERA. He was looking like a really promising pitcher. They got him from New York for uh, Jake Marisnik that that offseason and you look at kent emanuel a guy who in his first career game went 8.2 innings um came in for Jake to after he got injured um so it's just it's just interesting because you know you want Jonathan Bermudez on that 40-man roster somehow this uh this spring there's going to be a lot of shuffling i feel like a lot of guys are going to get you know either dealt or outrighted to the minor leagues so you you need bermudas on there there's no reason to leave him rule five you know eligible
1: yeah and and there's a couple other pitchers that we're going to talk about that the Astros are going to have to make a decision on. JP France, a guy who pitched in double AA, A, triple A this year, had some phenomenal strikeout numbers. He's going to, he's rule five eligible right now. The Astros are going to have to potentially add him. Sean Dubin is another guy. We saw what he could do in relief. Put up some really, some really dominant numbers in triple A, um, you know, hitting that 97, 98. I think he's a guy that if they leave unprotected, is for sure going to get selected. Somebody's going to take a chance on him. Um, a, a rebuilding team. Then another pitcher, Brett Canine, who ha- struggled this year has, has shown something else in the past, but they're going to have to have some interesting decisions to make when it comes to, you know, do they, Pedro Baez, Seth Martinez, uh, Solis, who's had two Tommy Johns. We talked about it. Enoli, what are they going to do with those kind of guys? And do you value them or do you want to take them off to potentially add a Dubin, a France, a Bermudez? So going to be an interesting offseason when it comes to the rule five draft. The only thing is I think the rule five draft is normally in December and I know that there's the potential of a, a lockout come, like, December 1st. So I don't know how that's going to play into it.
0: Yeah, as The new CBA is coming in. <clears throat> Players are going to want the more money, you know, more money they can get. And it would mm-hmm. just be interesting how that falls, you know, all together. But, you know, when you look – when I look at the pitching, I'm, you know, if I rank them, I'm going Bermudez, France, Dubin, and then Canine. And I, mm-hmm. you know, somebody like Johns Bermudez, you need that lefty. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, your best lefty right now is Romper Valdez. Blake Taylor's a little, um, little shaky. Kent Emanuel's coming off injury. Yeah. Um, you don't know if Rayleigh's going to be back next year. Um, but Bermudez is a young guy. He strikes out guys. You know, lefty that strikes out people. It could be, you know, he could eat innings out of the yeah. bullpen to start and maybe catch a few starts, you know, down the road. Right. It's definitely, like, out of those pitchers. I would take Bermuda as you know the first person I put on the forty man.
1: Yeah, he and and I think the Astros will. But at the catching position, we talked about Corey Lee, but there's a couple other guys they're going to have to make a decision on. And three catchers that that I noted that were Rule Five eligible that maybe could get selected. Michael Papirski, who his offensive numbers aren't great, uh, but we know how much teams value that defense, especially at the backup catching position. So we'll see. Then you got Scott Manaya, who had some really good numbers, like you mentioned, came over from the Mets. Good defensively, good offensive numbers, and then Yiner Diaz, who had a phenomenal offensive season. The Astros got him in the trade where they acquired Phil Maton and sent out Miles Straw. And it would be—he's young. I don't know if he would stick on a roster for a full season as a backup. I don't know if he's what you're looking for in a backup because I know he still has some work to do defensively. But it's going to be interesting to see if the Astros potentially expose him to the Rule Five Draft and give another team an opportunity. But the catching position is going to be one that I think the Astros are gonna—they're gonna have to make a decision. Do they want to add somebody like Diaz? They obviously already have Stubbs and Maldonado and Castro on the 40 man roster.
0: Yeah, Diaz is a really like interesting case. <clears throat> um, you can go either way with him. You know, I think when you look at the Miles Straw trade, you got Diaz and Maiton. You know, the Astros really liked what Diaz had. He was just a little bit underdeveloped. You know, they got him when he was in low A and he's you know, he's over 20 years old now. And you know, they they promoted him to high A. I think by next, you know, if he's still with the team, you know, if he mm-hmm. doesn't get selected, like we're saying, and if he's not on the 40 man, um, he's definitely a guy that could probably be in AAA next year. You know, mm-hmm. he's going to guy that can progress well through the minor league system. And he has a really good bat besides being a good defensive catcher for Papirski, I think Papirski is, you know, the you know, the first guy that in my mind should be put on the 40 man. You know, the, we talked about how, you know, Astro's current pitchers just rave about his defensive, you know, mind right. and how he could use he's, he's a, you know, he's a pitcher's catcher. He can be a personal catcher for anyone that needs it. But, you know, Mania is a pretty interesting case. Um, I'm not, as high on Manaya anymore, um, I feel like you know he's he's an older guy. Um, mm-hmm. He's twenty five. <clears throat> he you know he was almost going. He was going. He's in Double A right now, but he's about to go to Triple A. Got injured. His season ended. Um, you know he's been with the Astros since twenty seventeen in the minor league system. So it's a really it's a toss up on him. I don't think really anyone's going to select Scott Manaya at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's someone you should really worry about in the Rule Five. That's just my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, and I and I can agree with that. Like you said, the age and then the injury too, coming off the injury. But Papirski, what makes him interesting too? He's a switch hitter, has good numbers from both left-handed, uh, right-handed hitting. So you know you have that option there of you know he's your backup, and you could start him against lefties or against righties, whatever your de- decision is. And then obviously the defense is important, especially at that position. So he's going to be an interesting one. But a couple other infielders I noted that they, that potentially either could get selected. The Astros are going to have to make a decision on. David Hensley, a guy that probably coming into the year you didn't expect to to be on this list, but he hits 295, plays all over the infield uh, in double-A, played first, second, third, and short. I don't know if he would actually get selected, but a team that maybe is in a a rebuilding phase and wants to bring in a guy and see if they can strike gold. But I I think he would have the ability to at least stay on a roster, given the fact that he can play all over the infield. But one other guy that I think the Astros probably will add – but I also don't know if he's going to he would be potential to get selected because of where he plays but Joe Perez you know he had a, he, a former second round pick finally had a breakout season was finally healthy but he only plays third base maybe a little bit of first or dh so he doesn't really have that defensive versatility that you probably would see in a in a rule 5 selection but he's probably one of the Astros top 5 to 10 prospects right now had a <coughs> really good season at 21 years old and the Astros are going to have to make a decision on him as well if they want to potentially leave him exposed
0: it's always kind of tough to see uh infielders you know, make it and when mm-hmm. they become Rule 5 selections. you, know, you got to stay on the active roster or you right. get returned. You know, someone like David Hensley has never played in A. You know, yeah. Joe Perez has never played in A either. So I think it's safe to say if they do get taken, you know, so obviously they they, they need a rapid, like, progression to stay with that team. Mm-hmm. You know, the Angels grabbed a pitcher from the Astros in the Rule 5, and they returned them, you know, within a few weeks because they just – he wasn't ready to be on that. You uh, don't even think he pitched past high A this year. So mm-hmm. there's that in mind. Um, but, you know, J.J. Uh, Medejevich, you know, a guy that, you know, at one time was one of the Astros' top, you know, uh, position player prospects. And, he, you know, he's now he's kind of fallen down. Um, right. You know, he battled some injury, battled a suspension. He's a guy who can play some outfield, play some first base. You know, he has power. Um, you know, a guy that played in AAA this year. You know, I I, I don't think – we really think he's going to be selected in the Rule 5 draft. But, you know, definitely a guy to keep your eye on for next mm-hmm. year. I think that was that new stroke, you know, some power in triple you know i think not many people know but it's kind of hard to hit home runs in sugarland um the yep. stadium's a little bit uh, you know, the dimensions are a little off and there's a lot of wind they call it the skeeter dome for a reason and you know it's hard to hit home runs out of it
1: yeah and he showed off that power he would have a hard time probably sticking just once again we talk about that defensive versatility being able to be that 26 man on rosters is uh, to play over the infield or outfield is important but another guy the Astros will have a decision on I think this decision will be extremely easy but Jeremy Pena is also eligible for the rule five draft I think he will definitely get added there's no way they would leave him leave him exposed but I did put his name on here since he is eligible this year unless he gets added to the 40 man
0: yeah there's you know like you said there's no reason to leave him <laughs> off yeah <laughs> if they leave him off then there's something that we don't know then if they leave him off then they'll I guess Curry is getting 330, whatever he yeah. wants.
1: But th- this is, this is why I think, you know, you, you mentioned earlier about how the Astro system has a lot of those kind of unknown prospects, but you come down to the rule five draft guy or rule five draft time and, and you look at the list and you could list, you know, six to eight guys that you think could maybe get selected. You know, the, the the feeling on the Astro system coming into this season was, you know, they were the 28th or 29th or 30th ranked system, but, they had the, the triple A team was very good. Um, they ended up struggling the last thing of the season, but they were, uh, the Skeeters had a really good season. And then we saw breakout performances really from a lot of guys that weren't even on the top 30. And I think that's what the Astros do. They find these guys that maybe other teams wouldn't value and they get production out of them. So obviously the system, the, the windows not closed the system is still strong. We still got top prospects coming up. People want to talk about the top hundred. You got Hunter Brown, Corey Lee, Jeremy Pena, Pedro Leone, all those guys are probably going to be top 100 prospects come next or uh, the beginning of next season when they, they do the re-rankings. I, I personally think the system is deep. Obviously, I'm biased, but I, I'd be interested to know your take on that.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we talk about the Skeeters, you know they do a triple A West East champion. You know, this team was pretty good in triple A. I know like you, you can sometimes have the best triple A team and you still have one of the worst sure. ranked, you know, systems. And I think in that, when you take into account of how they rank, you know, minor league systems, you know, age is a factor. You know, yep. J.P. France, Jonathan Bermudez, you know, they're in they're their mid-20s. You know, right. they're guys that are they're, – they're, they could be MLB ready on some other teams, teams that are rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something like, you know, we talked about, you know, if a, a rebuilding team sees these pitchers, they're right. going to snatch them. You know, they're going to snatch a guy that they can put in their rotation next year. And, you know, something like JP France who just stormed his way to AAA, you yeah. know, just striking out everyone left and right. You know, Jonathan Bermudez and other guys a lefty. You know, these two guys um, <clears throat> were kind of like hidden gems this year. They yep. came out of nowhere. And we always talk about how, you know, the Cuban pipeline, the international pipeline, the Astros is great. And we even have guys that are, you know, they're just like from, you know, the United States and are also, you know, doing this as well. So there's, you know, there's so many hidden gems in this farm system that just go unnoticed. And like the grand scheme of things,
1: yeah. And one other guy we'll talk about who I think had a really good season. It was kind of interesting, but Nick Hernandez. And you mentioned him. Will he get a potentially get a spring training invite? And will he start in AAA? Dominant in Double A, gets called up to AAA. I think he threw two scoreless innings and then went back down to Double A. He's a relief only prospect, but there there is value in those kind of guys. And um, what do you think? You think he's going to get invite to spring training? And and I, I, what's your opinion on him? I guess moving
0: forward. I you know it's kind of hard because like when you see guys that get invited Get invited to um, to spring training, you know, as minor league pitchers. It's usually because they're young guys that need the reps, or they're um, guys that are on the brink of making their major league debut. I don't think Nick Hernandez is necessarily on the brink of making his major league debut. He's a guy that was, you know, phenomenal in Double A this year. Um, he had a one point six one ERA. And, you know, like you said, he came up for one day. Like, you look at the transaction page, it says yeah. August 1st, assigned to the Skeeters, August 2nd, assigned to the Hooks. He's mm-hmm. a guy that's, you know, he's, he's a Houston kid. You know, this is a guy that really wants to be on this team. I've talked to one of his family members before, and they were, you know, they were kind of, you know, bummed that he didn't get uh, added to the AAA team for the final stretch when they added on those few right. games at the end. But Nick Hernandez is a guy that's going to be in AAA this year. I think he should start in AAA. He's going to be at AAA at some point. I'm not totally sure he's going to get a um, spring training uh, <clears throat> invite, but if he yeah. does, that's like his best opportunity to, you know, get his name out there because he's 26 years old. You know, he's right. drafted in 2016. This is you know, it's make or break this year. For sure.
1: All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast covering your Astros in the minor league system.